CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Edit audio. In my career, I have been an expert at getting in my own way. I've undersold myself. Oh, sure, I could do that for you, but don't you want somebody who has more credits? I've undermarketed myself. Hey, I have a show this week. If you, if you want to come, you're you're probably busy. It, it's I know it's too much for you. You know what? Forget I said anything. Anyway, how are you? I've told people to pay me less. I literally just took a writing job from a work friend and said. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That money is great. But really, why don't you just wait to see what I write for you? And, and if you don't like it, you could you could just pay me less. I've rarely asked for any help, even from people who have offered. Look, I've done a crap ton of work on doing less on all of the above. But sometimes, usually at 3 a.m. when my feet are twitchy and I can't sleep, I wonder if I had gotten out of my own way sooner, where would I be? Hello, everyone. I'm Robin Hopkins, and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but not in an NPR way. It's more like we're at the bar, having cocktails, getting into your business sort of way. It's it's giving drunk NPR. Oh, and producer Steph is here, too. Hello. Today, we chat, well, when you get in your own way. Hello, everyone. Oh, I have to tell you, I am so excited to be sharing this interview with you all. Today's guest is Becky, though I call her Bobby because of that time she got the Demi Moore ghost haircut. I've known her since college, and we've been laughing and arguing and drinking and confiding in each other and trying to be successful at our dream jobs ever since. And we have both spent a lot of time getting in our own ways. So I say, without any more rambling from me, let us see if we can get in there and get to the bottom of this problem. My name is Becky Viduccio. I'm a comedian and a writer. I am also a chef, chauffeur, therapist, um, life coach. <laughs> I'm a mom, risk assessment manager. <laughs> Uh, but mostly a comic and a writer. I would like to talk about the idea of success and getting in your own way. I love that. So to give the full disclosure that we know each other since college, since we were like, I was 17, you were 18, I'm totally younger. <laughs> and um, we have seen each other through many, many different phases of our lives. And where it is now, we both have kids and we're both very busy and we're both going after careers. And we're both like, hustling trying to make careers happen and we end up going out to dinner and what often happens is 
she says she has a problem and then I start yelling at her because we're three drinks in. Yeah. Like, so this was a natural, like, extension of our conversations. Yes. You're always yelling. I do yell a lot. So tell everybody a little bit about the path because you had kids in the middle of it. So it's that that can sidetrack. So I was doing stand up pretty badly, you know, as you are new. (laughs) And then I got pregnant and I did comedy throughout my pregnancy. And I was doing all the shtick about being pregnant. And the hemorrhoids. Yeah. I was, I was like, here's my ventriloquist act. <laughs> then, Mommy, let me out of here. And then I ended up uh, doing comedy two weeks before I was due, hugely pregnant on stage. Said a joke. I remember the joke. It's a stupid joke. Should I tell it? Totally. Okay. It's uh, people always ask me if I want a boy or a girl. I just look at them and I say, I don't care what I have as long as it's good looking. Oh. And I know it's terrible. So stupid joke. And then uh, two weeks later, my baby died. Mm-hmm. So Robin knows this. Uh, so I had a full term stillbirth, uh, a son. He was born the day before my birthday. And I just stopped doing everything. And I didn't just stop doing everything. I stopped doing everything for 12 years. So talk about sidetrack. I don't know why I felt I had to take so much time. I think I felt like I wasn't allowed to have everything at once. I felt like I should concentrate on being a mother because that became my most important goal. Well, it makes sense why you would do that. Yeah. So success to me changed to being like, I need to have a living child. Like that would be success. And then I did. I had three of his siblings and... Once I did that, I was like, okay, you got to concentrate on being a great mom. And I just didn't do anything. I didn't do improv, stand up. I didn't write. I just felt like I don't know if I'm that person anymore. I don't know if I can get back to that. And then everyone, including you, were like, why can't you start doing that again? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) So I went to this improv school and I just wanted to start over and be anonymous. So I was like, I just call myself Barbara. I'm just like, pretend I never did this before. And uh, and I started doing improv and it's just like, I was like, I'm back. I think I'm back. Okay. So then talk to us a little bit about after that and it brings up to now into the, like the issue of like, you know, chasing success and getting in our own way. Sometimes I'm like, why do, I'm exhausted. Like, yeah. I'm so tired of trying to be something. Can... <laughs> I'm like, can't we just be like the mom in happy days? Like, do we have to be? Can't do we have to be everything? I know I wouldn't be happy just making pot roast, but um, well, it does get exhausting. Like when you are just running at something. Yeah, and we we talk about this regularly, stuff about moving goalposts. Like I, for me, I'll say I will be happy when. And then I get that. And then I'm like, yeah, but I also needed, I've always needed this. And then I want that. So it's like, like if five years ago, if you had said where I am now, I'd be like, that's fucking great. And I would call that a success. And I'm still like, well, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not getting this or this could all go away. You know, it's like the goalposts keep getting moved. And so I wonder, was that happening for you? Or were you just like content being like, I'm happy being Barbara and doing improv? Um. Here's the problem. I never had a goal. (laughs) I was always improvising my way through life. Like I was like a dog and everyone had bacon in their pockets. And I was just like, oh, that sounds fun. Okay, I'll go there. You want me to do that? And I was like, yes, yes, yes to everything. 
that I liked. And I wouldn't change that. But I got sidetracked. So this is what I think happened. Can I tell you what I realized recently? This yeah. is something I realized. So I started doing storytelling a couple of years ago, which I love. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Like no pressure to make anyone laugh. Just this is what happened. If you don't like it, fuck it. There's nothing I can do. Uh, so I started telling stories. And then in planning a story, what happens is you go, what does the audience need to know in order to understand where this ends up? And I was thinking about the origin of this particular story. And I realized something. And can I preface this by saying, I have the best parents in the world. No complaints. However. However. No, there was this one moment. So I'm trying to figure out where does the story start? And the story was kind of about success slash failure. So I thought about when I was eight. I know this is going way back. <laughs> my craziest uncle told me he was going to take me to audition for Annie, the musical, at the Schubert Theater or something in Boston. And I was so excited. I was super psyched. The only problem was I had no discernible talent. Like I did not act, sing, write, play the harmonica, nothing. You were just going to go and be like, hi. No, I literally was like, cool, I'm going to be Annie. Like I know that song. So obviously, for obvious reasons, my parents being great, great parents, they were like, we don't want this humiliation to occur. So they told my uncle, you can't take her to the audition. But then they had to unexcite me. And I was upstairs ironing my red dress. I was like, this gonna come out tomorrow. And, and they were like, uh, Becky, sit down. <laughs> and they said, you're not going to the audition. And I was like, what? Why? This is my life. And they were like, there are kids who have been training for this their whole life. And my first thought was, they're eight. Like, how good could they be? Like, <laughs> And then I thought... Um, I really want to do this. And that kept pushing. And they go, here's the thing. And this was the moment. They said, we love you. And we think you're beautiful and talented. We're just afraid that you're going to go out into the world and other people won't. Oh, shit. <laughs> and they didn't mean it like that. Like, they didn't mean it to be so impactful. And we know as parents, God knows what I've said. Oh, I can't even. Just even I this can't week. Even. Like, I've said something they're going to be in therapy for. Oh, yeah. For sure. But here's the thing. Somehow I realized in preparing the story for the stage, oh, that's where it started where I wasn't sure who I was or if I deserved to be places because I didn't do the work. Right. And I have a real thing about I didn't do the work. This, right? And by the way, I have to say... What always ends up making me yell at you at dinners, you've had people who have been champions of yours and you've had opportunities that have showed up like you were on America's Got Talent. You've had these things that have come to you and I always watch you having these opportunities and then hear you start to back off from them and say, I didn't, I don't deserve it because, well, I didn't work the traditional route that other standups do. I didn't do the eight sets a week. I didn't do X, Y, and Z. And I'm always like, but it's fucking here right now. I'm going to start yelling. No, I'm not. She's starting to yell again. I just want the audience to know I am not yelling. Steph is going to be that. <laughs> Steph is going to be like our, our like ding, ding, ding. Like, okay, you in this corner. But that's when I get like impassionately 
because I'm trying to like smack you in the face a little bit and be like, Becky, doesn't matter if you did that or didn't do it. It's here and you have the talent to back it up. So that's part of the reason why I was like, I think we've got to do this episode because I think that story that you're telling is perfectly encapsulating that thing that has been in your face for your whole career. Yeah. It's not your talent because you're very talented. I mean, I, I, here's the thing. I, I'm not being, I'm not trying to play hum. I don't see what other people see. I don't think I've ever seen what they saw. I'm just who I am. You don't think about what you're doing or why you know something or why you're like you are. I just am like being myself. Right. And I think when I look back, the jobs I took in my twenties and thirties were all in the supporting role of someone who was creative and successful. Like I, as you know, was the assistant to Rafe Fiennes, yeah. the English Oscar nominated Fucking actor. Voldemort. Voldemort. And I worked with him and I was like, I'll sure I'll fly first class. <laughs> you know, I had the life. I had his life. I worked with him. Yeah. I traveled with him. I went to five of the seven continents. And then one day I was on British Airways in the British Airways pajamas. I had my champagne no. and my warm cookie. Right. And I looked over and there's Rafe. And then I realized, I realized in this one moment that if I wasn't here, he would still be here. Yes. If if he wasn't here, I would not be here. Yeah. So this is not mine. So I am riding someone else's wave of success. And it's interesting because I also assumed that everyone wanted to be Rafe. Like I didn't want to be Rafe. I didn't want a serious career in acting. But I think wanting to be something and being around it gets painful. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also this thing, I think, for both of us where we have to change the language about success and things you're doing, which is when people say, I was always told when I got something that I was so lucky. Mm. Right. You're so lucky. Oh, my God. How lucky are you? And I'd be like, I'm so lucky. Right. Meaning implying I had absolutely nothing to do with it. Right. Right. Fortune by chance. Yeah. And a therapist told me, you got to stop using that word. Yeah. You're using that word all the time. And I'm like, well, I am lucky because I didn't do the work. I didn't do the work, but I got there. I didn't do the work, but I got in that film. I didn't do the work, but I got on AGT. I didn't do the work, but I got that job. And she'd be like, but it's not a fucking like 10 coincidences, you know. And it's also not, it's not a marathon. Like you didn't need to run the 26 miles. Like some, I mean, there are plenty of people. Look at every every single person in Hollywood who's like just a, a Nepo baby and who has a career because they're parents. Like there are a million examples of people who don't do the work. So my question to you is, because this is a theme for you that does keep coming up, mm-hmm. is what do you think, it would take to give that up for yourself to to stop saying i didn't do the work uh to do the work but like when i when I'm i like have staff like I what know. what is the work in your head like what what are you being hard on yourself for not doing i think gigging stand up i think i'm really hard on myself about that um it's very hard to be a mom of three kids And everything you love to do takes place at night. If you had a friend (laughs) who was the mom of three kids, but didn't birth the child, didn't go through like labor or all of that, would you still be like, oh, well, you didn't do the work to get where you are? Oh, Oh, that's a really good point, Steph. (laughs) Steph, shit. I think that's more revealing about you, Steph. No, um, (laughs) 
Uh, no, absolutely not. The work is in front of you once you have the kids yeah, in front of you. Interesting. Yeah, but but, but and also can't... and also I have to say to you, oh, here it's we go. Not just gigging that you've said this about. It's Damn it. okay. You would say that about like I remember you got some writing thing in like Scary Mommy when Scary Mommy was like just starting was huge, and you were just like I'm going to try to write an essay, and then they asked you to contribute more, and you immediately said, "Well, I feel guilty because I don't sit around and write essays all the time, and I just did this one, and I got sort of lucky, and they chose it, and then I can't remember if I'm right or not on this, but then you didn't do more with them, and so I'm suggesting that that line They're of kind thinking of big now." One doesn't help you. And two, it is not just current. You have been doing that all along. Yeah. Yeah. My point of that was just like the work is ongoing. Like you might not have done some of the work, but that's not to say that you're not working, you know? And writing the essay is the work. No, I'm working my ass off. I have to tell you, I'm working my ass off, but I'm not focused because I genuinely love many different things. And I was told by a manager once, he was signing me, he's like, you got to focus. You got to pick something. I've been something. told that too. And I hate that. I hate that. He's like, you can't do improv and stand up and write and write scripts. And I was like, why? And he's like, you're not focused. And part of it was true. But part of me was like, I wonder if I just did stand up. Like I just wrote jokes all day. Yeah. And I didn't teach but the, but improv. The thing, and- is, the thing is about that. And then we're going to come back to where we were about the what it would take. Um, Because you're skirting, but you're doing it well and funny. Um, But part of that is like, I've recently come to a point in my career where I think all of the different things that I'm doing have come together to a point and are helping me. And so I think, I think had you just focused on stand up, like you may not have the extensive storytelling that you have, like all of that other stuff comes from where you are and all the different work you're doing. So I like, even having been told that, I always went against it because I was like, that just doesn't feel right for me. Yeah. Um, But I do think back sometimes and be like, maybe I would have moved forward faster if I had, but I didn't. Yeah. Here's the good news. I feel like it's still in front of me for some reason. I mean, I should be like going, okay, well, I've had my time and I didn't use it wisely, (laughs) but I feel like the big good thing is still in front of me. Yeah. And it's a culmination of everything that I've been doing this whole time. But my question is, is do you think that line of thinking of being like, I didn't do the work gets in the way of if you were to flip it, if you were to let go of that, maybe you'd be able to just be like, how can I be more focused this week? Yeah. Because if you are beating yourself up, there's no space for you to think about ways that you might improve your focus. Yeah. It's a time management thing. Like, don't you wake up at five in the morning or something ridiculous? I, I do, but that's just because I that's when I wake up. But I mean, I have always been a time manager. Like in college, I wanted to play lacrosse. I still wanted to be able to go out and drink. And I still wanted to get the grades that I believed I should have. And I would have my days scheduled to the hour. Like I would be like, really? oh, mm-hmm. oh my God. I had my little day planner and I'd be like, I will, I will work on such and such a class from five to seven. Then I'm going to dimes and I'll be shit-faced. And then I'll you be shit-faced. You scheduled those drunken nights out with me? No, the, I'm scheduling around the drunken nights. <laughs> you did those really well, Thanks. by the way. I was so good at that. Yeah. And then I would be like, I know I can't stay up late because I'm drunk. So I'll get up early and then I'll finish work on X, Y, and Z. But I, I was scheduled to that, to that extent. That's amazing. Yeah. I wasn't like that at all. I was but like- I'm not saying that you have to be that. But I am saying what I know is when I'm beating myself up about something, I'm certainly not taking next steps towards helping myself. No, and I'm I'm not beating myself up. I do need more balance. Um, 
Yeah. I don't have that. I don't have that. It's all over the place. And and part of it is that the kids are my priority, not like, oh, you're such a great mom, but the kids are my priority. They always will be the priority. It's also at the detriment of myself. Also, is it that if I make them the priority, I don't have to do stuff and put myself out there? I don't know, Robin. Right. I'm just hearing like two things and I'm honestly like it's in my brain and I don't know if I can articulate it properly. So I'm going to try. But I hear that on one hand, you're like, you know, my kids are my priority. I'm doing a lot. I'm doing like almost too much and it feels like a lot. But then on the other hand, I feel like I'm also hearing you say that maybe there's like a part of you that feels like you don't deserve the a lot. You are hearing that because that is happening. Oh, no, I totally staff. I totally don't. Okay. I just want to make sure both are true. You you do wild pendulum swings between the two things. There is this like there's like a duality that can exist, you know, like you can be both lucky and also deserving or like lucky and hardworking. Like both of those things are true. And you can also be someone who stays hungry for new opportunities and new things to create while also feeling satisfied by what you've done. Yeah, I feel like that. But I don't think you're allowing yourself to feel both of those things. It's like whenever the like luck voice comes in, like, oh, that was really lucky of you or that was really like, you know, the the non-deserving voice. You push away the other stuff that you've done to get there. That's why I'm saying it's a setup. Well, you got these two voices that can bat away anything positive that comes in. Here's the other thing. I want I don't want to do stuff. Now there's if a third voice. I don't want to do something that's not good. Like I know it can be good. So I'd like to have I'm a person who likes to prepare for stuff. It's hard to decide when you're offered something out of the blue. Like the America's Got Talent thing. I did not send a tape in for that. I did not apply for that. People kill themselves applying for that. There are many people who don't, whose agents submit them. And you know that. I guess. There are people that stand online and that's what makes good TV. But there are many people who get pushed forward by their comedy agents. Well, here's the thing. I had stopped doing comedy. And they needed a mom comic. This was the amazing thing. I stopped doing comedy because I became a mom of a stillborn child. And then I started doing comedy again because they needed a mom. Yeah. So I found that a a great full circle. The thing is, you don't want to get yourself (laughs) involved with something where, you know, I knew I could do it, but I knew I didn't feel ready. I would have preferred to have felt ready and by ready, I mean having done stand-up in the 10 years prior. Right. So I said no when they called. And <laughs> the woman's name who called me was Destiny. Okay. <laughs> Can we just talk about that? <laughs> so she, she was like, hi, this is Destiny calling from America's Got Talent. And I was like, okay, really, who is this? I really didn't believe, you know, who, and you didn't believe like, in destiny. I Thank didn't you. believe in Thank destiny. You. I, did, <laughs> to I did put her in my phone in all caps so that the next time she called, it would say destiny calling. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so she she said, oh, we need a mom comic. And I have this tape. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I realized this friend had sent the tape in. She asked me to come and I said, no. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't do comedy. And she goes, is that you on the tape? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, well, we want her. And I was like, well, I don't know where she is. <laughs> I was like, and then she goes, okay, here's what I'm going to do. She's like, I'm going to call you back in two days 
and you're going to realize what a huge opportunity this is, and you're going to say yes. And all I could think of was, what the hell, if she had called me, like... She's bossy. She was good. And then she did call back, and she's like, people don't usually say no. (laughs) And I'm like, well, standing under three X's with Simon Cowell telling me if I'm funny or not, when I haven't done comedy in 10 years, is not my dream right now. Was the tape 10 years old? Um, like a lawyer right now. I think what it was was it was it was me hosting a show of the kids because I teach comedy. Right. So I I teach kids. So I had to do like a clean little hosting thing. Anyway, it didn't feel it didn't feel like you were doing comedy, but you were you've conveniently left Shut out of up, the story Robin. that you were teaching comedy. And what I'm suggesting is why not instead of choosing this was a fluke and whatever. Why not choose to believe that you were good enough? This stuff takes work. You can't just show up and do some of this stuff. It takes work. And I respect the work. I remember. But, me- but you are kicking away the work that you're doing. You conveniently left out that you were teaching stand-up and well, that you were. It, it may not be. It's, it's, you have some idolized version of the work. It may not be part of your life plan. Yeah. Well, with stand-up, I don't think you can get better if you're not on stage. I don't. It's I, not a thing. I agree. It's I agree. not a thing. Uh, when I was in England and I had just started doing stand-up, you know Jimmy Carr, the comedian? No. He's super famous in England. He's kind of famous in the comedy world. He and I were coming up together. We were doing gigs together. And I remember we did this gig and he goes, where are you going after this? And I was like, home. home? <laughs> and he goes, oh all right, where will you be tomorrow? And I was like, home. <laughs> and I he's just like, did this gig. Yeah, I was like, I did a gig, I'm done. And he's like, what are you doing this weekend? I'm like, oh, I'm doing a gig on Saturday at one. And he goes, oh. And I was like, oh, I've said, I know something's not right. So I said, why, where are you going after this? And he goes, I have two gigs. And I go, really? He's like, yeah. And I go, where are you tomorrow night? He's like, I have four gigs. And he's like, if you don't do this, like all the time, you're never gonna make it. Yeah. And I know that that that's actually true. And he's famous and he kept doing it, you know? And I started with people who are now all famous. That oh, is yeah. a mind fuck. I have like, all kinds of like people when I did stand up that I'm just like, and she's famous now. Yeah. She's, and it's it's like, you're like, ugh. Yeah. That and, hurts. I, and I stayed home for 12 years, uh, understandably doing what I felt was the most important thing for me. And I watched them all ascend. And it was awesome because they all deserve it. They worked their asses off. But it's weird to come back, right? So I do a lot of jobs still where I'm in the service of others, like being a mom or teaching. Like, I love, I do love it. But the thing is, though, Becky, and, and you're not wrong about stand-up. Like, everybody, like, I when I was doing it, I was doing, like, six sets a week because that was what everybody around me was doing. Yeah. But it's like, that isn't the only path. No. And I think, I think that, I think ultimately what I'm saying to you and what I have been saying to you is that if you don't let go of that, it's not serving you. It's it's not serving you. Like, it may be true. It may not be true. But holding on to it only makes you feel bad, stops you from exploring other avenues because there are people who have come up in different ways. Right. And, and you can't see them because you're too busy being mad at yourself for not coming up in the way that you feel is most ethical. Mm-hmm. And I just... I, I think it's a shame because you are so talented and 
Like you are, though. You you are incredibly funny. You're incredibly smart and you're charismatic on stage. And that's that's the trifecta. And so to me, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I do just want you to get out of your own way because what could come? And it may not look like it looks for anyone else, but what could show up for you? And it doesn't mean I'm wishing that you have your own talk show and you're Ellen. It just means like, what is a thing that you love that could show up if you let it? You know, some people don't have the talent. Like you have that. Right. So thank you, Robin. You're welcome. Are you crying? No. Oh. Should I do what you want me to? I wanted you to tear oh, up a little. Okay, I wanted I'm sorry. you to. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me try. Work it. No, I can't. What do you want? Is there a thing that you could sit on it and be like, I did it instead of like, what have I done? (laughs) You know, what's funny is like when I think about retirement, I don't see myself not working. Like I just see myself picking projects that I like that are just that are that are just like they work for me. I want to do them like I get to pick. That is where I want to be is where I'm saying yes. I'm saying no choice. Exactly. Right. But one could ask you that. What about you, Becky? I was she tried to hijack this podcast Damn so we don't it. have to talk about herself. If you Defle- saw that stuff, deflection. I would like to pay my PSENG bill in full. Like that's one goal. That bill's like twenty dollars. So if you not can't pay ours. that in full, what twenty dollars? Where do you live? Is this not your gas? Oh, it's gas and electric. It's everything. Oh, all right. I, okay. I think it's part. I've, I've sidetracked us. You know, money can't buy happiness. But here's the thing, it can. <laughs> it does help. It can because it gives you choices. It gives you choices. Honestly, I think if the money thing so is let's more say secure, you're, let's say you, somebody, God forbid, somebody, let's say some relative you don't care, like oh, leaves you a whole yes, bunch of money. And you're old, just happy, ill, crotchety person we never liked died. Leaves you $2 million. Yeah. Then what does your career look like? We've talked about this actually, James and I. And I realized that even if I have a lot of money, these thoughts in my brain will not stop. Like I tried doing that. I was very emotionally constipated for those 12 years. I was doing jokes to toddlers and my cat. And the thoughts still come and the creative ideas still come and the scenes still come and the articles still come. So I would not be, I wouldn't sit back on money. I'd really like, do you want to know what I really want to do? Yes. I think it's going to be, and I know I hate saying this because it sounds so cheesy, but a one person show, (laughs) one woman show. I really want to do that. I really want to do that. I want to take everything, the writing, the storytelling, make it funny. Um, Big things have happened in my life that aren't so great. And I want to do a one-person show. And I want it to be on Broadway. Um, So that I'm putting that out there. Okay. So we asked you what your, like, happiness would be. And you kind of answered. You were like, I want more money. And then, like, well, actually, I don't actually want more money because that wouldn't change anything that I'm thinking about. And then you said... You just made me sound so shallow, And you said one more project that you'd like to do. Like, is that project happiness for you? Like, if you took all these grumpy, whatever, poopy thoughts out of your head, what is your happiness goal? What is your life like? Okay, you're going to roll your eyes in your brain. I'm not. I think... I Well, I can't, we can't be happy. If you have kids, you can't be happy unless they're okay. So number one, healthy and and happy, or will they be happy ever? I don't know. Who knows? Who I have can teenagers. Say? 
just out of the house. What's that saying? You're only as happy as your unhappiest child. Have you heard that? No, but I don't want to know that. You're o- think about it. I'm going to no. give you a minute. Or you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. I didn't make that up, but it's so true because it doesn't matter what projects I have going on if my kid is having a problem, right? So they need to be okay first. And then what was the question? Uh, money. Uh, no, no. Happiness. The question was, what's your happiness? I'm sorry, I, money. No, I'm kidding. Uh, am I? <laughs> what? No, having choice. You know, like Robin, having choice in in the projects that I do. And do you feel, what do you feel like is stopping you from getting to that place? Time. It's just mm. trying to, do you know what I'm doing this afternoon? Like, if but you re- can you you have time to do a little work up here on your noggin. I don't have time. Listen, here's the thing: money and time, biggest crutches for people to not do shit. Money and time. Yeah, but I, I'm not saying you're not busy. No, I think when <laughs> I remember. So if you're if you're a mom and then like you have expectations for mm-hmm. your day. You're just going to be frustrated. Like, I, yeah. I remember a friend being like, oh, my God, like, I didn't have, I don't have time to read anymore. And I was like, read, bitch? I don't have time to cry. Like, I, didn't, <laughs> I woke up this morning thinking, maybe I'll have a little cry just to get this out of my system. And I was like, no, no, I can't because I have I'm to schedule that for Thursday. Yeah, I can't go to Target like that. What are you talking about? So time management, maybe I have a problem with time management. But at the same time, I I think I genuinely have a lot of demands and I don't know how to put myself first. (gasps) Yeah. I was going to say my homework. I mean, I kind of wanted you to say that, but but (laughs) you're good Steph. How much do I owe you? She's good. Um, Millions. (laughs) I think what would be good homework would be to like, you know, take a moment at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, whatever feels better for you at some point during the day and be like, what did I do for my kids today? That made me, you know, like, what did I do for my kids? How did I show up for my kids? That was good. Don't write down the bad shit. We don't need that. And then number two, like, what did I do to move me towards that hunger? Like, what am I doing Mm -hmm. to feed that hunger? What am I doing to like put myself out there and like make the thing I want to make or like, prioritize myself. And it doesn't have to be like, I wrote a whole ass screenplay. You can just be like, you know, I got in touch with my agent today and talked to them about this. Or or while I was driving to Target, I thought about the screenplay idea a little bit. You know, it can be small. Or I cried watching six hours of stand-up specials to see where the industry's at. Like, whatever it is, the point of it isn't that you're, like, always doing, like, the most. It's that you're recognizing that you are doing little things. And hopefully that, like, awareness makes you feel better about prioritizing yourself because you'll realize you're not losing the other part of yourself. Like you can be an amazing mom and also an amazing stand-up. I'm adding one thing to your homework. We we talked with Courtney. I'm like obsessed with it in season two about she talked about future casting and she does a certain amount of work each day or each week setting things up for her next jobs. Mm-hmm. Like that work of like, did I call an agent? Did I do this? Like, I think if you were to look for some time in your week and it can be 
you you have a busy schedule. I'm looking, I've been spent the whole interview looking over at a paper planner that's giving me anxiety. Some things are highlighted, they're all scribbled, <laughs> things are crossed out, there's arrows drawn into we forgot about someone's got to play. Um, so it's like clearly there's there's busyness going on. Yeah. So it can be floating, but could you commit to even 30 minutes in a week of future casting work where you just say, okay, if six months from now I would like to do three you know, story shows where I'm, I'm telling, like, what does that mean I need to do next week? And it, some of it may be work and some of it may be just like, I'm going to reach out to so-and-so and see if they have any gigs that might line up with my schedule. Just adding in that part that gives you a little bit of the focus. Because I, I think that sometimes when we're up in our head so much, nothing's getting done when we're up there. Right. But when you bring it onto paper and you say, I'm doing something, there's so many benefits that come from it. There's the benefit of doing the thing of like you you had a meeting with somebody and then there maybe something came out of that. But then there's the benefit of you took yourself out of the argument and the low self-esteem conversation that we're all having mm-hmm. and you brought yourself to something that you can say, I did something good. Yeah. And even if you just committed to 30 minutes a week of that, I think that might bring some change. I mean, this might ruin the whole podcast, but I have started doing that and I have started carving out time. Have you seen a change? Yeah. I I finished a script. So last week, I mean, does that cancel this whole podcast? No, it doesn't. Because I know that the very next thing is you're going to say, it's not done. It's not good enough. And and then you're going to wait six months before you send it to anybody. Okay. Well, I won't, I won't say that then. Um, (laughs) You know what happened? Can I tell you something that happened that I thought was like, you're like, no. And I'm like, I'm telling you. So I had this health scare that went on for months. Okay. And luckily all is well. Can I tell you, can I admit this in a podcast that people are going to hear what my first thought was? Yeah. Oh my God. I didn't write that script. (laughs) I was like, I didn't write that script. Also, James is totally going to get another girlfriend really fast. But uh, I was like, I didn't write that script. I didn't write that book. I didn't do that one person show. Like I thought of all the creative things I didn't do. And then I was like, oh, and my kids. Like I was like, <laughs> I'll miss them too. <laughs> yeah. They might miss me, but I'm one of the first things I thought is you didn't do those things. Fucking do those things. So I started putting them in order. I think part of the problem is I'm always trying to do everything at once. Like I'll do a little on that and a little on that. And this time I'm like, I am not going to start doing that project until this project is finished. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I turned down all performances and shows and, and offers to do gigs in September to finish the script. And I kept saying, I got to finish. It's Even if it sucks, I want like page 40 to be typed up. And I finished it last week. That's incredible. See, so, that's incredible. I just want to say, like, I, I'm I'm glad that you came on and, and were willing to talk about this. I think this is, I think it's an important conversation because like, even if, I know we talked a lot about the entertainment industry. There are many, many, many people who want a goal and get in their own way, you know, and a lot of it, I think, happens up between the ears of conversations about whether you're good enough or whether this or that. There's like, we all have our like staple things that we do that get in our own way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, anytime we can talk about it, it makes me feel more honest about myself. I'm like, oh, I did it again. I did do that. But then it also reminds you of times like you saying I wrote that script. That's good to, you know, write that down on your list that is stuff's homework. Yeah. And also saying like, I did that. Yeah. Like instead of going, okay, next. And what that's not good enough, but I'm going to, it doesn't even matter if anything happens with it. 
you have to stop and go, okay, take a minute, a day and say, I did that. I finished that. And that is something in itself. I also have a huge recommendation, especially for moms. I don't mean to focus just on moms, but it's like my brain. Um, I feel like moms should all go and find their resume and read it. Go read your resume because That's the one sheet. That's the I have the the great Robin plan. I make a one sheet and check in on all the things you've done because it's so helpful. Do you? Yeah. Like in a weekly basis or in general? Quarterly, I check it and I add goals. I know I'm I'm With a little her crazy. Documents. I feel like, you know, when you meet when sometimes you meet a mom at school pickup and someone's like, "Oh yeah, she's a surgeon." And you're like, "What?" <laughs> like she's a like we had we had lives so we did all this stuff. We accomplished all this stuff. Nobody knows what I've done or what I do. And then I realized I don't even remember. I don't even know. Yeah. So it's important to go and look at what you did and realize that's not someone else. That person isn't dead. And, you know, go pick up from there and be like, you know what? I have done stuff. I just took a pause. All right. So our final thought, what are you going to do to celebrate the fact that you finished the script? Pay my PSC&G bill in full. Nope. Okay. Um, Denied. What am I going to do? To celebrate yourself. I think a nice whiskey sour. Okay. Chilled. And a steak. I'm a real steak and whiskey sour person. Love it. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on. This was so delightful. And we, everyone here at Well Adjusting, we wish you success. And I can't wait to see your script. Thank you, Robbie Ann. Thank you for having me. I feel quite honored. So we just spent a lot of time talking about all the ways we don't think we're successful, all the goalposts that we move, all the wins that we gloss over while, you know, panicking about the next objective. Well, producer Steph and I decided that on top of the homework that we assigned Becky, we've got one more assignment. Yep, that's correct. But listen, it's simple, all right? We want a moment of celebration of Becky's wins and her work. And a simple way of celebrating a win, it, it can be to look back on how good you really were. So, Becky, Bobby, here is a little look back at you on stage doing the thing. Even though you say you don't put in the work, we've got proof that you do. So I am telling you to take this in. And for the rest of us, here is a few minutes to just laugh and laugh and laugh. Because there is never a moment when we don't need more laughter. Hit it, Becky. Um, I have a 13-year-old daughter. We had our first peer pressure conversation at the Stonemate. Yeah, I know. I was like, what are you going to do if someone offers you drugs or alcohol? She goes, don't worry, Mommy. I'm just going to say, no, thank you. I can't have that. I'm pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing something right or wrong. Right, right? Yes, that's right. I walked in on my seven-year-old son getting dressed today, and he panicked. He was like, Mommy, don't look. I'm naked. I was like, what do you mean, don't look? I made that. <laughs> Sorry, I pointed at your penis there. <laughs> Nothing like my seven-year-olds, just between us. Um, I think we spoil kids these days. Who's with me on that? Shopping. 
wedding, Italian style. Then you're like, how about these shoes? You're like, those shoes. Oh, you don't like those shoes? Welcome. How about this? How about no shoes? <laughs> God, my parents are losing it. Did you ever watch your parents try to send a text and think, how am I even alive? <laughs> oh my God, I'm getting older. Who's getting older in the room? Clap if you're aging. Why are you not clapping, sir? Who are you, Benjamin Button? I'll leave you with this. Here's how you know how old you are, by how many ologists you have, right? Like in my 20s, I had a dermatologist, that's it. Now that I'm in my 40s, I have a cardiologist, a pulmonologist, a gastroenterologist, and of course, for my vagina, what do I have? An archaeologist. That is right. Thank you, guys. What a delightful end to a delightful convo. Big thank you to Bobby, I mean Becky, for the willingness to let us pick apart your career. Go forth and succeed. For more Robin, and you may need that, you probably don't need it, but like if you do, you can follow me at Real Rob Hops on all the platforms, all the socials, as the kids today say. Well Adjusting is an edit audio original, exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole edit audio team. Oh, hey, before you take out those AirPods, this show is just for entertainment. If you are in need of help, please, please, please reach out to a professional. Go ahead and get that help. You deserve it. Hey, y'all. I have a question for you. Have you been listening to Well Adjusting and secretly or maybe not so secretly thinking, geez, I have a problem. And I bet Robin and producer Steph might actually be able to help me make some headway. Now, if that's the case, I have to tell you, this is your sign from the universe to reach out to us about being on Well Adjusting. I'm telling you, it is a sign. Get in touch. It's so simple. Just email us at hello at editaud.io, or you can hit me up on the socials. I'm at at RealRobHops on all the platforms. And I have to tell you, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show. What is it that you are waiting for? Hit us up. Let's solve the world's problems. No, okay, that, that bar is way too high. Let's, let's just have some laughs and, and get into it. We're going to all feel better for doing so, I swear. Thank you.